and welcome to another episode of Menopause, the good, the bad and the downright sweaty. I'm Diane Danzibrink and as ever I'm here, well not really here, but virtually here <laughs> with my lovely co-host Sophie. Soph, hey, how are you doing lovely? I'm good, thank you. How are you doing? Good, I am well. Um, been a lovely weekend. It was absolutely beautiful. Weather is gorgeous. Um, the baby blackbirds in the garden are, are giving us lots of fun because they have now, well, they're kind of, they're out of the nest and daddy blackbird is doing a marvellous job of feeding them because we are currently feeding <laughs> feeding them live mealworms which we're having to order in <laughs> Bless you. so that's that's now part of our part of our weekly shopping is to make sure that the mealworms are ordered for the blackbirds oh. and we've obviously fed them well because mummy blackbird is now sitting on a new nest <laughs> oh so sweet you made so, new friends <laughs> yes yeah, so new, new friends well actually um, I don't I don't think it's the same pair. It could be, you know, kind of it could be um, part of the same family. So it could be sort of fledglings from last year or at least one of them could be. But we had a similar thing last year. So we've kind of fed them for the last few years. But this year they're giving us heaps of fun. So, um, yeah, all good here, my love. How are things with you? Okay, um, it's been a difficult couple of weeks. Mm. Um, I've been struggling to get an appointment to have my implant replaced. Yeah. Um, it was initially scheduled for April and then rescheduled for the end of June. Um, wow. And then last week I had a cancellation um, that came through and basically sent me into complete hysteria, really. Um because I've just been feeling so symptomatic I've pretty much all of my menopause symptoms have come back mm. um with a bit of a vengeance which is so tough to manage when you just kind of feel like you're on an even keel and so can, you, can you explain to people sort of who've never listened in before what your what your background is you know why you why you had your surgery and why, um, apart from the fact that you're so young, why you struggle so much when your hormone implant starts to run out? Yes, of course. So I had um, a total abdominal hysterectomy and bilateral oophorectomy for endometriosis and PMDD, which not many people have heard of. Mm. Um, PMDD is premenstrual dysphoric disorder. And it's a cyclical hormone mood um, mood disorder that basically women that have it have a severe negative reaction to the natural rise and fall of estrogen and progesterone. Mm -hmm. um, and I've, I think I've had that. I was only diagnosed in 2015 with PMDD, but I'm pretty sure I've had that throughout all of my adolescence as well. Yeah. Um, and as a result, I have had any kind of ups and downs with HRT, so any changes or fluctuations, if you've got a history of PMDD, you're really, really sensitive to those changes. Mm. Now, on top of that, for me, um, I didn't get on with any kind of conventional HRT. So I tried 
the tablet, the gels, the patches, um, and my body just erratically absorbed them, which yeah. meant I'd have real highs and then really, really, really bad lows. Mm. Um, so because of that, I was referred to um, a specialist menopause clinic mm-hmm. to have these implants, which are given to me in my stomach every yeah. six months. And they have been an absolute godsend. Mm-hmm. But the problem is whenever they I go towards needing it replaced, I all my symptoms come back again. Yeah. Um, and especially like the insomnia, the irritability, um, anxiety, particularly social anxiety, um, which causes me to kind of shut myself off from the world and I can end yeah. up feeling really isolated and alone. Mm. Um, and, How, I think, and I guess I guess that's all been compounded by the COVID situation so hasn't it you know having to with the hospital having to cancel appointments and things yeah and I think um, the COVID situation's definitely not helped um, and I, I, I just kind of obviously the HRT shortages as well are a big problem because mm. the implants I've been on the implants since 2018 um, yeah October 2018 and there's been two shortages of the implants during that time mm-hmm. um, which has meant I've actually turned up to have the appointment and they've not been able to to give me the implant yeah um but it's during this time I think because I'm 34 now and I was 32 when I went into menopause um menopause surgical yeah. menopause that I really really struggle with um just feeling really alone in it because all of my friends are pretty much new mums or they've got toddlers at home mm-hmm. um, and it's hard to kind of have people ar- around that understand and that just get it mm-hmm. so I end up just feeling really kind of alone like I can't speak to people about it mm-hmm. um, and, and that's quite tough. It's really interesting, Soph, isn't it? Because that's essentially that was kind of what we wanted to focus on, that idea of loneliness um, in today's podcast, just because for me, you know, in my in my work, in the support group, um, we're pretty much on a daily basis in everything that I do. It's one of the most common, along with, you know, sort of phrases like I feel like I'm going mad um I feel so alone um is one of the most common things that I hear you know sort of every day every week week in week out it's definitely something that I can resonate with personally um but I think it's you know loneliness anyway can be a a very destructive thing for people but that being feeling lonely when you're in menopause can be so difficult because very often we don't understand what's happening to us and we don't understand why do we no and I think it can just take you by surprise and you can Mm. quite often you feel like you've lost yourself mm. and when you feel like that that can result in you losing your confidence um if you're having hot flushes and sweats lots of sweats and you can end up feeling a bit embarrassed if you're around people 
yeah and that can just all lead to you feeling like you just don't want to face people or or be seen out and about um and it's and it's interesting isn't it because you know we um you know you and I both have you know we both have partners we both have people in our lives you have children um and so it's not about you know feeling lonely as we know is not about necessarily being alone you know you can be in a room full of people and feel lonely but it it's about that shared in many ways it's about the shared experience isn't it because you know when i when i went through when i experienced my surgery and then you know what i would probably describe as the fallout from my surgery um you know i had really really supportive husband really supportive family members um but i still felt i still felt lonely because i i was kind of because i'd cut myself off from everybody as far as you know i didn't um at the worst of my symptoms I didn't want to see anybody. I didn't want to answer the telephone. I wouldn't even open the post. I wouldn't walk the dogs. I wouldn't go outside the house. Um, but I didn't have anybody. And none of my friends were going through what I was experiencing. Um, and although for me, my mum had had a hysterectomy 25 years before I had mine, um and hers was a pretty awful experience too um although she could you know she was brilliant brilliant support but I kind of what I really wanted was I wanted somebody who almost was going through it at the same time as me Mm -hmm. that I could talk to so you know kind of we were sort of having parallel experiences and I just felt completely isolated in the fact that for a lot of the time, I really felt like I was the only person who was as useless, hopeless and worthless as I was. And, you know, there, um, it probably was. It probably was just me. Probably nobody else. Um, nobody else did it as badly as I was doing it. Nobody. Mm-hmm. Yeah, everybody else coped. And it yeah. was just me. that. And I think that was that really compounded those feelings of being useless, hopeless and worthless. Mm-hmm. I couldn't was, agree more. Yeah. The fact yeah. that I just kind of felt, well, you know, kind of no, I've, I've never heard of anybody else doing it as badly as this. Yeah. So like I've never must... heard other people struggle and they've said how great it is not having periods anymore. So why yeah. are you finding it hard? Yeah. Yeah. I must just be weak or something. And that mm-hmm. was that was I mean, you know, kind of apart from having all the horrendous crushing anxiety and the paralyzing panic um and spending most of the day sobbing um and all of that sort of made it feel and I think the other thing was as brilliant as as brilliant as my family support was there were still times when I would look at them and think you don't know what to do exactly because it's happening to you not you don't know you don't know how and as much as they wanted to you could just see that kind of look on their faces of oh my god I don't recognize Mm. this I don't recognize this version of this person 
and it's it's really it's quite scary when you don't get it and you know that they don't get it as hard as they're trying and don't get me wrong you know sort of it was it was their support that you know sort of that got me through I wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for them well for Henry really (laughs) if it wasn't if it wasn't for Henry but generally you know Henry Henry barked at the right moment but they you know kind of they were on a day-to-day and moment by moment they were the they were the support but it is it's so isolating and you know I was I was writing about it the other day and it kind of really took me back and I was reading through some notes that I'd written and I thought my goodness I I barely you know I experienced that but I barely recognized that person reading the notes that I'd written at the time Hmm. does that does any of that resonate with you oh all of it resonates with me and I think that especially the your family looking at you kind of and you can just tell on their faces they just don't know what to do and they're trying their best to understand but I think it's really difficult for people to understand things unless they have some sort of experience of it mm-hmm. um but yeah when I've looked back at I wrote a journal kind of after my um like immediately after my surgery yeah and when I look back and read it it's it's heartbreaking um just to kind of hear how I just keep saying like I don't feel like me anymore where have I gone Mm -hmm. I felt like I'd had a personality transplant not a hysterectomy Mm -hmm. Um, and all these things that I had always enjoyed suddenly were my my idea of like a worst nightmare Mm -hmm. so it's kind of I think the frustrating thing as well now so you know kind of have coming out the other side of it and supporting other women is it's also needless you know all that all that suffering is completely avoidable if we were just given the right support at the right time yeah absolutely because you know I know you and I have discussed before the fact that neither of us were um, when I say counselled I don't mean you know sort of I don't mean lengthy counselling I just mean somebody sitting down and talking to either of us about the potential impacts of going into surgical menopause mm-hmm. um obviously you know I was 44 or 45 I would have been perimenopausal whether I knew it or not you definitely wouldn't have been because you were only 32 but for not for you know neither of us got that discussion I don't think either of us I certainly didn't get any follow-up after my surgery no, no follow-up at all. Yeah, no, so neither no of us. No checkup. No, nothing. So for major abdominal surgery, neither of us had any kind of hospital checkup whatsoever. We were both essentially discharged to our GPs. I think it just would have been really helpful to have just sat with not even a, a doctor or a nurse, but just somebody just to be able to for them to say, do you understand what is happening to you? Do you understand what could happen afterwards? This this, this is a list of symptoms that you may experience. Mm-hmm. This is who you can speak to if you have any of these symptoms. Mm-hmm. And this is these are your options. And it's pretty simple stuff, really, isn't it? As far as, you know, kind of that that's not brain surgery, is it? That is, you know, that is pretty simple information. Um, but it's also about 
you know, kind of knowing that there's somebody there if you reach out, if you need support. Mm-hmm. And that definitely, I mean, as I've said before, that was kind of, that was the most crushing moment for me when I did finally pluck up the courage several weeks after surgery to contact my GP practice by phone and ask, is there some kind of menopause support service? And my words were, is there some kind of menopause support service? I will go anywhere. I will pay anything. (laughs) Um, Not that I could have afforded to, but hey, you get desperate. And, you know, the receptionist at the end of the phone, who, to be fair to her, was, you know, she was only sharing the information with me, but you could kind of hear in her voice that it was a difficult thing even for her to say when she said, I'm sorry, my dear, there's nothing like that. And I mean, that was like the final, that was the straw that broke the camel's back for me. I can imagine you just felt crushed. You have got to be kidding me. Like, I'm sorry, 50% of the population and there's absolutely no support service. Are you kidding me? Um, I think yeah, that's, that why, was, that's, that's why the Menopause Support Network has got so many people. It's 14,000 people <laughs> that have joined, which just shows that it's because there's there's nothing. And people have realised that there is so much peer support available. Mm-hmm. And just because your circle of friends may not be experiencing the same and that can make you feel alone and like nobody understands mm. we we are so lucky that there is this whole group of women where you can ask a question yeah. and you will get answers you will get guidance and most of all you'll get understanding that people I, just get it yeah I think the brilliant thing about the group now is you know it's very broad you know sort of there are women there from 18 through to women in their 60s and 70s they're obviously not all surgical menopause. There are women who are medical menopause. There are women who are natural menopause. But I think the brilliant thing about the group now is that, you know, um, my marvellous moderator team, they've, they've learned from me. They're very knowledgeable. A lot of the women on the group have been there a long time. And even if they don't really need to be in the group still, a lot of them very generously hang around because they've learned a lot from being in the group. So they're now happy to share that knowledge to help somebody else. And it is it's a it is an absolutely brilliant community. Um they and I know that there are lots of other there's loads of other groups out there. I know Daisy Network are you know, um, specifically for women who are in premature menopause. I know there are hysterectomy groups, there are endometriosis groups, there are PMDD groups, etc. But I think for a lot of people, you know, being able to come to a, a menopause group um, has proved really helpful for them. And I think that everybody kind of learns from each other as well, what their experiences are. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And I think with the menopause obviously me feeling so lonely and just like nobody got it and I just Mm. really really longed to sit in a room with some women that just kind of we could just talk freely and openly and not feel like we have to explain everything Um, and that's what you've done isn't it so with the with the menopause clubs yeah it led me to I had a, a chance 
hot flush in a lovely hab- haberdashery in Hitchin where I was talking <laughs> to the shop owner who blessed her she didn't batter an eyelid when I started stripping off in front of her because I was so hot <laughs> and that was how the menopause club Hitchin was formed mm. um and it's only a little workshop, but obviously you've been there, Diane, and it's this yeah. beautiful it's room. It's really comforting and just wholesome. And the group became so popular that people now have to book a space. Um, but my main goal of the group was to make it free and accessible to all. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the group, I'm very clear that I'm not a medical professional. I've obviously had no training whatsoever, but all I do is signpost to the Menopause Support Network, the British Menopause Society, um, and just provide an environment where women who none of us knew each other before the group at all, um, and yet we've sat and shared the most personal things with each other, and we've cried and laughed together. Um, and so and didn't you, know, you say to me, didn't you say to me a long time ago that you've actually had a member who came and she was so anxious she couldn't actually speak in the first it, the first time she came along yep she couldn't talk at all she she came in and you could see that she just couldn't talk and she didn't want to go upstairs to the main group and she just said to me like really really slowly bless her and she was shaking like a leaf she just said i i can't talk but i could tell from just looking at her like the first time i've met her but you could just tell that she was a vivacious person and really really yep. bubbly mm. um, and I just said to her look you don't have to talk I said just come and sit with us and just just listen if you like and don't feel any pressure mm. um, and then she came two or three more times and now she comes to every single group and she's <laughs> one of the loudest members <laughs> and it's brilliant and all she did she came along she listened and listened and listened and we we're all talking about various different um, things like HRT and irritability and anxiety. Um, and that got her the confidence to go to her doctor. And she did have a bit of a battle there. Um, but she took the nice guidelines along and kind of pleaded. Um, and now to see her, that she's now on the like, Everell patch. Mm-hmm. It's just such an amazing transformation. Um, yeah. And I think... You know, if you do have a group of friends that you've had since childhood, but you suddenly find yourself feeling really out of sorts or not wanting to do social events like you used to, that's actually okay. People change. And what you might find is as as your life changes, that so so will your friendship circle. Mm. Um, and, And I think sometimes you you feel like this sense of loss perhaps or you feel like oh it's really I'm you know there's there's no one else but there are going to be people out there that just 100% get you and I think the other thing is you know sort of um you know it all sounds you know if you only listen to the first half of this today you might think that it all sounds really negative but actually I think there are some huge positives as well because you know, without a doubt, yep, you know, kind of I had a rubbish experience, but there is no doubt, you know, I wouldn't change anything because if I changed it, then without a doubt, Sophie, you and I wouldn't be sitting here talking today. We wouldn't have this podcast. 
um, I wouldn't be in the privileged position of doing all the work that I do around menopause and women's health. The menopause support network wouldn't exist. Um, so, and I think you're absolutely right about friends because, you know, without a doubt, there were there are friends that perhaps I have been closer to in the past who maybe I'm not so close to now or do less with or have less to do with for no other reason than everybody has busy lives and life moves on. But I have also met some of the most amazing women in the last few years, really passionate women who care deeply about women's health. Um, you know, sort of pretty much they might not work in it professionally, but they certainly work every day to try and help other women to try and signpost them, put them in the right direction, etc. So I think there are sort of there are also it can be really transformative. And I think, you know, you and I did a podcast all about the power of no. I think that's a very positive part of mm -hmm. the menopause journey. Um so, you know, I think there's more support out there than historically there's ever been. So if you're listening to this thinking, actually, I'm feeling exactly as you two have just described you felt, then please don't be alone. Don't suffer in silence. Reach out in some way, shape or form. Um, there is you know, sort of there are social media has done this wonderful thing of bringing lots of people from around the world together um, to support each other when they might never have had that opportunity. Um, so as Sophie said, my group is the Menopause Support Network on Facebook. Um, the website is menopausesupport.co.uk. Um, Soph, can you remind everybody lovely of how they find your menopause groups? So you can find um, the menopause groups on Facebook, the menopause club Hitchin and the menopause club Bigglesweight. Um, you can find our um, podcast page on Instagram, which is the underscore menopause underscore podcast. Or you can email us on hellomenopausepodcast at hotmail.com. Absolutely, you can. Um, so if you if you are somebody who's gone through surgical menopause um, and you want to hear more of Sophie and I, which I'm sure you don't, <laughs> but if you did, then Sophie and I have also recorded, we're going to record a series of four Instagram lives um, so it's on my Instagram page, which is my name, Diane Danzibrink. It's on my IGTV. So we've recorded number one and number two. Uh, we've got number three this week and number four next week. So if you're somebody who specifically is either approaching surgery for surgical menopause or you've just had your surgery or you had your surgery ages ago and you still don't feel you've got the right help and support, there's going to be loads of information on those too. So, Soph, any last kind of gems of wisdom you would like to share with our lovely listeners about loneliness and getting support, etc.? I think just seek peer support, reach out. Um, even if there's not anyone in your friendship group that you feel or your family that you feel understands, 
there are so many of us out there and it may give you the gift of new friendship which has definitely been a huge positive for me yeah definitely because I met you (laughs) (laughs) oh bless you by the power of twitter All right, my lovely. So we shall be back to do this in a couple of weeks time. But in the meantime, everybody stay safe. And so lovely to speak to you, my love. You and too, we, lovely. I will, we will see you in a couple of weeks. And uh, do we need to, uh, did you do the reminder? You did, didn't you? About how yes. to contact us. Yep. Brillo, if anybody would like us to cover any kind of specific subject, just drop a message to the details that Sophie gave you before and we will do our very best. But for now, from me, bye, lovely people. Take care, everyone. See you soon.